helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome to the Disciple First Podcast. My name is Craig Etheridge, and this is a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. Our last few podcasts have been talking about the great things God is doing in Lusaka, Zambia, where we did a Flashpoint conference there and trained up hundreds of pastors and leaders over six different countries to make disciples in the local church. Several keynote speakers challenged these pastors, one of which was Glenn Underhill. Glenn Underhill is a disciple-making pastor at Fellowship Church in Roswell, Georgia. Glenn is a good friend of mine and a fellow disciple maker, and a great communicator. And in this message, Glenn challenged the pastors in Zambia that our love for God really drives us to make disciples. Listen in to Glenn's message and see if he doesn't challenge you as well. Here's Glenn. All right. Well, how are you this afternoon? Oh, let's try that again. How are you this afternoon? That's great. That's what I love to hear. I, uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity uh, to be with you this afternoon. Uh, I'm, I just want to send greetings from our church in Atlanta, Georgia, from Fellowship Bible Church. We extend greetings to you to say thank you and that we love you and that many in our church are praying for you diligently right now. I'm tremendously humbled to be with you uh, this afternoon. I uh, love Zambia and have been so gratefully honored and pleased to be a part of what God is doing here in this country. I believe that God is at work and He is completing that work in and through His church. And when church leaders can gather together to understand Jesus more clearly and understand what He did, I think the church of Jesus Christ wins. And so I want you to look at the person next to you and say, this is for Jesus. Yes, this is for Jesus. You know, I, uh, I never would have imagined that I would be standing here having first visited Zambia in 2009. When I came in 2009, I, I came with a group of five men who I had been discipling, and I conned them into coming with me and saying, hey, if you really love Jesus... You'll help go with me to Zambia and help me to uh, equip and train some leaders and pastors in making disciples who make disciples. And those five guys came, and we met at a really small little church in Kalingalinga with 13 other pastors and church leaders. And over the course of since 2009, we've watched God raise up over 5,300 people who've been discipled. 1,500 women and men who have committed to being a disciple maker. We've seen it spread to over five different countries. And I sit in awe as I remember 
dreaming of a day that we would gather like this and talk about the strategy of making disciples like Jesus. And so I, uh, I'm, I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm a little emotional because I love you and I want to see this church in Zambia be everything that God intends for it to be. And I believe that happens when we align ourselves to the strategy and the methods of Jesus. I also am really joyful because I got to bring my daughter with me. I brought my, my young, uh, actually my, I have four children. Uh, I brought my daughter, Lainey. Lainey, would you stand for just a second? This is my, my 11-year-old daughter. And uh, I'm so excited that she's getting an opportunity to meet many of you who I've worked with and new friends that I'm getting to know over the course of our time together. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 16 to 20. Our hope is that as you leave this conference this weekend, that you will be inspired, that you will be encouraged, and that you will feel equipped to make and multiply disciples like Jesus. In fact, the theme of our conference this year is prove to the world. Jesus, just a few hours before he was going to die, made a very public statement to his disciples. In John 13, verse 35, he said, Love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I want you to notice something in those words. Notice that Jesus did not say that great preaching would prove to the world that we're his disciples, did it? Jesus did not say that great leadership would prove to the world that we are his disciples. Jesus did not say big churches will prove to the world that we are his disciples. Jesus said that we would prove to the world that we are his disciples by what? By the love that we have for one another. And so over the course of these next three large group sessions, several of us are going to be breaking this apart. And so my job tonight, my job this afternoon, is to really share with us how to love God passionately, to prove to the world through the love of our love, of our passionate love for God. You know, I believe that love is the single greatest motive to living out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And I believe that it is when we display great love that the world begins to recognize and to see who we really are. So let's pray 
and then we'll dive into God's Word together. Father, thank you for a moment like this. Thank you for such a time as this, that you have uniquely positioned for such a time as this. Give us wisdom, give us insight, spirit, and most importantly, give us the breadth of understanding, the ability to apply that which we hear today. And in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. You know, one of the things that I have observed, having been to Zambia for many years, is that you understand the value of walking. As I have been in a car or in a bus or maybe even on a bicycle, I have watched many of you walking and walking and walking and walking. And I know that some of that is the necessity of life, but I want you to understand that the value of walking does not exist where I come from. Uh, In fact, we love to sit behind our computers and in front of our desks and, and in front of our televisions, in front of other things, and we've lost the value of walking. In fact, I know that in my own life. In fact, my doctor said to me, he said, Glenn, you're going to have to start learning to walk. You've got way too much stress in your life. You've got way too much uh, going on, and you need to learn to start walking more. And so I, I went home, and I said to my wife, hey, babe, I love you, and the doctor says that I need to start walking more. And I feel like in order for me to walk more, I really need a dog to help me learn to walk more like the doctor says. And so I convinced my wife to buy, that we could buy a puppy. And so we bought a puppy, and I have been over the weeks and months walking this puppy twice a day. And so when I started, I started at a very slow pace, and I walked down to the end of my cul-de-sac, and I walked back up. And I felt like I had gained a major victory. And as I was walking the puppy, he's not learned quite how to walk on a leash. He would drag me like this. And so I was learning to walk a little bit at a time. But as we've been walking morning and night, we've gone from less than a mile to now every time we walk, we walk anywhere from four to five miles in the morning and four to five miles at night. And I can see the benefit of what it's brought to me at a, at a very physical level as well as just an emotional level as well. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about walking. The Bible has a lot to say about the value of walking. Maybe not the value for what it brings to our health, our physical health, but it talks a lot about the importance of walking and the value it brings to our spiritual lives. In fact, God's perspective of walking is that it's the best way to reach spiritual maturity. You see, the Bible portrays the Christian life as a walk. God told Abraham in the garden, let's walk in the cool of the garden. You remember that in the book of Genesis. God also instructed Enoch and also said that Enoch was a man who what? Walked 
with God. God told Abraham to go on a long, arduous walk, which he didn't even know where that walk would end up. But he was convinced that he would obey God and go on that walk. And he even set to the task of convincing his wife, Sarah, who if you can imagine that picture of saying, sweetheart, I love you, and we're going on a walk. And she says, where are we going? And Abraham says, babe, I have no idea. But we're going to walk, and we're going to listen and we're going to allow God to speak to us as we walk. Moses was recruited by God to lead his people out of Egypt, and what was to be a six-month walk turned into a 40-year journey as they were led by the cloud of, 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 by the cloud by day and fire by night. Now, some of us may conclude that this walking concept only existed in the New Testament. But the truth is, is that even Jesus understood the value of walking with people. And it was in this walking with a group of men that he began to formalize for these new recruits the value of walking uh, with God by having a love for the Father. And it was in these times that they would walk that he would instruct and model for them what it looked like to walk with the Father. You see, every disciple of Jesus was walking somewhere and following someone's lead. And Jesus chose to model for his team a pattern for them on how to learn to love the Father through walking. So my question for you this afternoon is this, is who are you following and where are you headed? One of my favorite verses in the New Testament, in fact, it's one of my my life verses, and it speaks to this value of walking as it reflects someone who passionately loves God, is found in 1 John 2.6. It says, for whoever claims to live in Him, in Jesus, must walk must walk as Jesus walked. Must walk as Jesus walked. In other words, to passionately love God means that we are to walk in a pattern of Jesus. Now, I've been married for 21 amazing years. 21 amazing years. I am so in love with my wife. In fact, I often look at my wife Dawn and I tell her, baby, I love you. I mean, I look her right in the eyes and I, and I, or I hold her face and I say, baby, you are the most amazing person in my life and I love you so much. Men, are you looking at your wives and telling them that you love them and that you, you passionately are, 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 are loving them and, and caring for them. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, no matter how much I tell my wife I love her, if I were to remove the band of my wedding ring, would that make me any less married to my wife? No, would it? But, you know, here's the fact. I can take this wedding ring off 
and I'm still married to my wife. I'm still committed to my wife. I can say to her, you know, baby, I love you so much. And, and for 29 days of this month, I'm going to love you like you've never been loved before. But on the 30th day, I would like to go and love another woman. You know, it doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way because when we say that we love someone, words are just that, words. But love at its infinite definition is a demonstration of what we say. It's a pattern by which we live out moment by moment, day by day, year by year. And so when we think about loving God, when we think about saying, I want to be someone who is radically and passionately in love with God, it is not just simply words that we say on a page. It is not simply just saying, though I, I, I think it's a great idea to tell God we love Him, but it must be a demonstration, an action of that. Now, I must be terribly honest with you. For many years of my life, in my early Christian life, I struggled with this concept of loving God. I had a desire to love God, but I struggled because I was not demonstrating what love really is all about. You see, a man or woman who says that they love God passionately demonstrate what I believe are four common characteristics. Those common characteristics are a, a man or woman who, who loves God passionately is committed to following Jesus. Committed to following Jesus. A man or woman who say they are passionately in love with God are committed to being transformed by Jesus. And a man or woman who say that they love God passionately are committed to being living out the mission of Jesus. And the last one is that they are committed to forsaking everything for Jesus. So let's go to our text in Mark chapter 1. And as you're looking at that text, let me just begin with this. It started out as a normal day on the Sea of Galilee. The sun began to rise over the Galilean mountains. The fishermen were there tending their nets as the sun was rising and they were getting ready and mending their nets from a long day of catching fish. And because the fishermen in Jesus' day fished at night because it was cool and, and, and what would happen on the Sea of Galilee is that in the evening the fish would come to the surface in order to feed and, and, to, and to get food that they needed. But as morning would break, they would break their way, the fishermen would make their way to the shore and begin tending their nets and selling their day's catch. It was really hard work being a fisherman in that first century. But something would be remarkably different after this day was over. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1 as we pick up in verse 16. And it says, As they were going along by the Sea of Galilee, 
He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee and went into the boat with their hired servants and went away to follow him. I love this passage because it was in this text that an invitation would be made that would literally change the very direction and the very life of four individuals. Now, I want to be honest with you. This was not the first time that Peter, James, John, and Andrew had encountered Jesus. In fact, we know that as we look throughout the Gospels, in fact, that they had been encountering Jesus over a period of about 18 months of time. And they'd had these run-ins with him, and, and he had been saying, hey, come and see who I am, and, 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 and come and follow me. And it was in the, those encounters that they began to understand who Jesus really was. They began to be convinced that Jesus was, in fact, the promised Messiah. It was during this time that they were beginning to turn from being self-serving men to being men who were going to move out and do something different with their life. It was in this, those 18 months that Jesus was establishing in them a series of foundational priorities. Priorities like Holy Spirit dependency, prayerful dependence, obedience to the kingdom agenda, word-centered, relationships. And it was here, though, that Jesus was going to extend a very simple invitation, but one that if they took it up, it would change not only their lives, but the lives of the human race. So I said that the first characteristic of a man or woman who loves God passionately is, in fact, someone who has decided to follow Jesus. Look at verse 17. And it says that Jesus said to them, follow me. I want to stop right there. Follow me. When Jesus said to these disciples, follow me, what he is essentially saying to them was this. I want you to trail in my footsteps. I want you to follow the pattern in which I am going to live out in front of you. So what does it look like to follow Jesus, to walk as he walked You see, in Jesus' day, when someone would come alongside a rabbi, what they were literally saying is, I want to learn the scriptures as best I can, and I'm going to choose you, rabbi, to help me in understanding all that. But that's not what Jesus says here. Jesus offers them a very personal call, and he offers every one of us a very personal call, a call that does not say, hey, follow me and learn a lot of theology which that's important, and learn a lot of concepts of how all this works out. But what he was saying to them is, come learn from me, walk as I walk, do as I do, and as you do as I do, you will grow in a love and appreciation for the Father. It was a personal call to learn, to think, and to act in the pattern as Jesus did. 
You see, the, the goal of discipleship, the end is not information. But the end is that each of us would be conformed in the image of Jesus. That we would become more and more like him. My daughter was playing a game this week with several people, and it was called Do As I Do. And I thought it was such a great game as I was getting ready to talk about this because literally they would stand around in a circle and the person in the center was going, do as I do. And I don't know how it all goes, but I'm not going to sing it for you, but do as I do, do as I do. And they would all do everything that that person in the center would do. We play a game in the States called Follow the Leader. And I am, I am more and more convinced that in Christianity today, we are doing less and less following of Jesus and telling Jesus what we want him to do for us. And if we're going to be men and women who passionately love Jesus, we must surrender the, 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 the agendas of our lives to say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will do as you do. I will say as you say. I will learn as you learn. I will talk as you talk. I will follow the pattern of your life. See, we can't say that we love God passionately if we're not willing to truly follow Him. You've been listening to Glenn Underhill at the Flashpoint Conference in Lusaka, Zambia. If you'd like to know more about how to make disciples and make disciples in the local church, go to disciplefirst.com. Disciplefirst.com is your one-stop shop for disciple-making resources. Also, you may want to check out on that website my new book called Bold Moves, the seven moves you must make to transition your church to become a disciple-making church. You can also find Bold Moves on iTunes and on Amazon. And until then, go make disciples.